Welcome to the Grassroots Podcast, hosted by GreenIndustryPros.com, where we dive into the root of the trends, business strategies, products, and personalities in the green industry. My name is Ryan Wisner, editor of Green Industry Pros, and in this episode, John Vlay, CEO of Gray's Mowing, introduces the latest model of his company's autonomous electric lawnmower for mid to large size commercial lawns. Gray's Mower is designed to increase efficiency and maintenance speed for those commercial properties. Vlay also ends up sharing some of his views on the future of commercial lawn mowing as it relates to robotics and electric mowers. Let's drop in on them now. John, thanks a lot for coming on today to this uh, this week's episode of the Grassroots Podcast. Uh, I wanted to bring you on today to talk about Grays and uh, your latest uh, lawnmower model that you just uh, recently released. But first of all, if you could just tell uh, tell me a little bit about Grays, as that's a new uh, new company for me. Yes, well, thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me on your podcast today. So, a little bit about Grays. Uh, First of all, I'd been in the landscape industry for over 35 years with Jensen Landscape in Northern California. And so Jensen's done installation and maintenance. And so I always know that labor is a very big aspect of bidding jobs, whether it's construction or maintenance. So uh, it wasn't too long ago, about two years ago, my wife and I, we got one of those robotic vacuums, one of those Roombas. And being a landscaper, my mind always goes to outdoor applications. So I'm thinking, why don't they make something for the lawn? And not long after that, I went to my local lawnmower shop to get my lawnmower service for the spring. And there was a sign for a robotic mower. So I asked the manager, well, tell me a little bit about these robotic mowers, thinking it could save us a lot of money at Jensen Landscape. So he said, yeah, they're really big in Germany and they're really starting to take hold here in America. I said, great. Do you have a place that I can take a look at it in operation? So he sent me to one of the big high-tech firms in Silicon Valley that uh, had a number of these deployed. And I went out there and watched where it had mowed. I didn't see it in operation, but some of the areas it mowed like once or twice, even three times. In other areas, it didn't mow at all. So it it looked like a bad haircut. But right then and there, I realized, hey, if we could develop a mower that can remember the perimeter of the lawn and go back and forth in parallel patterns and make it large enough for commercial application, we would totally revolutionize the landscape industry. So it wasn't, it was shortly after that, that through a CEO group that I belonged to called Vistage, uh, one of my Vistage members had told me about a company in Santa Monica that he came across and they were actually thinking about developing a robotic lawnmower for the landscape industry. So anyhow, I met with them. It's uh, called Wavemaker Partners. They're in Santa Monica. I met with their team and we just talked about the landscape industry and based on their technological expertise and my experience in the landscape field, we had a great conversation. We talked about what a prototype would look like, what the market looked like, and and we felt that by developing it together, we could really revolutionize the landscape industry. And so that's how Grays was born and that's what's brought us to where we are today. Okay, okay. So when when was the first uh, first model? Uh, was that just last year, or has that been out for a couple of years? Or so the first model was uh, about a year and a half ago, okay. and it was really just developing it so we could determine uh, battery size, wheels, motors, have an operational vehicle itself. And so many things have changed. We've had uh, a lot of iterations, even on the first prototype. 
to determine what kind of a sensing system, be it LIDAR, GPS, uh, beacons, things like that. But, but what we established early on is we did not want to have the guide wire going around the perimeter of the lawn. Uh, which was the case with those uh, smaller robotic mowers. Because one, it's labor intensive to install it on every job that you're going to be using it on. And two, it can easily get damaged, especially if you're doing irrigation repair, which is normally at the perimeter of the lawn. It's real easy to break that wire. So we established some of the, uh, you know, the must-haves for a commercial lawnmower. And I could tell them all of those from my landscape experience. And they could tell me what they could or couldn't do from their technological experience. So it moved on to a point that we could ultimately do the software development as well as the hardware development, the robotic development. And that's what then brought us to the design phase of what we have now. So what we've rolled out this week is our newest prototype, which is ready for testing with our R&D partners and ultimately go out to uh, commercial landscape production. Sure. Sure. You mentioned that this one does not have the, you don't need the perimeter uh, wire. So how does, how does that work then with this, with this uh, machine in terms of how does it, does it just have to learn the perimeter and then it's, it's locked into the computer? Yes. So with every landscape job, when you first get a job, you've got to do a job startup. So with this, the job startup will entail essentially mowing it the first time around the perimeter. So the GPS and the technology we have will remember that perimeter. And once that perimeter has been set, now you can go ahead and program it to go, whether it's north, south, east, west, any direction you want, even cross-cutting it, which is really good for the lawn. But the key is first and foremost, establishing that perimeter. And that perimeter has to be a closed circuit so it knows where, uh, where within it to mow. Now also you can have an interior perimeter if say there's tree wells or a planting area or a pond surrounded by lawn. So you'll need to know, go from the exterior perimeter to the interior perimeter and mow everything in between it. Okay, so you, so you would have to like go around landscape beds or, or like a tree or, or, or a pond or something and kind of establish that perimeter as well for it to, to avoid those things and continue mowing in the entire area? Absolutely. So let's say, for instance, you had a lawn shaped like a donut with the center hole is a pond. You would first do the exterior perimeter around the edge of the donut, and then you would do the interior perimeter around the hole and completing the loop of both of those. And then everything in between becomes the field, which you mow in parallel lines. So what we're doing is we're laying down basically an electronic guide wire rather than physically installing it into the landscape. Got it. Okay. Okay. And so what then if there is like a tree or uh, something else uh, other than uh, a larger structure, like a pond or something that you would establish a perimeter, does it, if there's just like a single tree, but it doesn't have a barrier around it or something, is that something you still have to perimeter around or does it avoid, does it have the technology to avoid those types of objects? You, you would still want to set that perimeter. That way it knows that it's coming up to a tree and that it's okay. going to be turning. Now, if okay. you didn't program that, it would come up to it and say, oh, there's an object there, slow down, stop, and then try to figure out what to do to get around it. Because okay. we have that technology such that if a branch falls overnight from a storm, now sure. that branch sure. obviously is not programmed into the perimeter. 
So it will have the technology to see that branch, identify it as something that's not lawn, and it's going to you know, either back up or go to the left of it or go to the right of it, mow around it. And if there's something that's ultimately surrounding it, it can throw an alert to the operator, either back at the office or in the field to come and see what's going on. Sure. sure. Well, and, and you brought up a good point there then as well is uh, this is uh, an autonomous machine. So you, you can be just back at the office as far as monitoring it or you could be still on site, but you're doing the, uh, the trimming and, and, and uh, other, other functions while it's taking care of the mowing. Absolutely. It can be done, you know, one of the two ways. It can be operating while the rest of the crew is doing their, their normal landscape chores, whether it's pruning, fertilizing, irrigation repair, et cetera. So that's where it would make sense for the job site foreman to have even on their iPhone uh, the application so that they can get alerts. Or let's say you've got somebody that's dropped off this mower. It's uh, mowing autonomously and they want to go on to the next job site, maybe to check on a crew or do what they need to do at the other job site, it will work autonomously and it can send them alerts there if they have to come back. Otherwise, uh, they can just let it run until it's finished and then come back and pick it up. Well, and that's, and that, that's a good point. Is this, unlike uh, some of the smaller ones, smaller robotic mowers that are more uh, on, the, on the residential basis for the moment, I mean, there are some that they're attempting to develop into the commercial side of things, but yes. is, this, is this one more where you would be um, taking it to a site and, and having the mowing uh, be completed and then you're taking it off? You're not leaving it on sites? That's correct. We now obviously there's going to be some sites that are large enough, say golf courses, where it's going to be left on the job site. In fact, we, we have a pre order from a Southern California golf course company that have pre ordered 10 of these. So obviously they're going to, they're going to probably program some of those for holes one, two, and three, others for four, five, and six, et cetera, but they will all ultimately stay on site. But what we're looking for for the landscape professional, landscape maintenance company that is managing several jobs per day, then we'll want to program it so that they can get it out of their trailer, go mow the area, get it back into the trailer, go to the next job site, mow the next job site. And because we're using a 60-inch mow deck, it's really for larger lawn applications. So if you've got an athletic field or a large uh, a park or roadside mowing, Anything with large enough, say, you know, a couple acres or more is the perfect application for it. But it's designed so that it can go from job to job to job, as well as for the very large jobs like a golf course, it can stay on site. Now, as it goes from job to job, you said one of the first things when you, when you have a new, uh, a new job site, you establish that perimeter. Once that perimeter is established, so a week yes. later when it has to go do that site again, do you have to reestablish that perimeter or is that locked in and then it just, okay, you're at this site, go do this one? Yeah, great, great question. And that's what I'm saying. Just like a job startup, when you get your job for the first time, there's certain things you have to do. You got to know where you park. You got to know where the controller is. But once you know that, you don't have to do it again. Same thing with our mower. Once you've set that perimeter, it remembers that perimeter and it will know where it's at. Uh, based on GPS coordinates. So, so long as that mower gets in within the, uh, that field of those perimeters, the perimeter or perimeters, then it knows it's safe to start mowing. 
and it sure. will go ahead and start mowing once it's in there. Okay. So no, you do not have to set the perimeter more than once unless something changes. If they add some lawn to an existing lawn, you'll change that. If they put a play structure in the middle of it, you'll want to uh, put that, that new perimeter, interior perimeter into it. So sure. it's very adaptable with changes to lawn areas. Right. So you, and when they add something like that, you can just add, add to that perimeter and it's not a matter of redoing the whole thing. You're just adding that small piece. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You, you wouldn't have to reprogram all the perimeter, just the perimeter that's changing. Okay. And what kind of, uh, so what you, you said, this is uh, more for like a larger, larger size sites uh, based on the size of the deck and, and, um, but what uh, what kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, how how long how long does it last over the course of the day? Like how many sites would it be able to do? I guess so. So here's the thing: it's it's, it's effectively it's a 60 inch deck, and so you're not going to use a 60 inch deck mower for you know small HOA with postage stamp size lawns. But right. the, the easy answer is. Whatever a landscape contractor is using, a, say a 48 inch mower or a 60 inch mower or a 72 inch mower would be perfect for our 60 inch mower. Sure. So, uh, you know, and also because it can go, you know, at five miles an hour, it's doing about three acres per hour. Okay. So at uh, seven miles an hour, it can do four and a half. So again, you want to, you want to position the mower according to where you want it to mow based on the size of the project. Sure. And, 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 that, and, and that's something, excuse me, but that, that's something every landscape maintenance company does when they're figuring out their routing of what, uh, what crews go where and what pieces of equipment go where. So, uh, you know, they'll know which job sites are amenable to a 60 inch mow deck. Sure. Oh, absolutely. And so this, and, and uh, your mower is electric. Yes, absolutely. And to be honest, uh, the electrical uh, devices and equipment, that, that's the future of the landscape industry. And, you know, quite honestly, a lot of our, our society, you can see what's happening with Tesla cars and uh, electric pickup trucks are coming out. So we, we were looking towards uh, not only what do we need now, but what do we need towards the future and electricity. It's uh, quieter, it's cleaner, sustainable, it's less expensive. It requires less maintenance and repair than a gas-powered mower. Uh, another thing is there's a lot of, especially here in California, air quality boards. They will give rebates to electric equipment, electric lawnmowers. A friend of mine who's got his own landscape company, he bought a 48-inch electric mower. He got a $6,000 a $6, rebate. So depending on the size of the mower and depending on where you live or where you're going to operate the mower, you can get six, seven, eight thousand dollars back in a rebate. Also, here in California, the California Air Resources Board (CARB) they are looking at uh, managing or regulating off-road equipment engines, including lawnmowers, and their goal is to reduce emissions by eighty percent by 2031. So that's only eleven years away. So you're going to see a bigger and bigger trend going towards electric equipment. So I guess that's what I was meaning. If it's, if it's electric, it, does it have to be charged then? I mean, it's, I mean, is it? Yes. So it's got lithium batteries that will hold the charge for six to eight hours, depending on 
the terrain and the uh, the type of grass you're mowing, uh, the okay. thickness of the grass, but generally six to eight hours, and and that can be over that can be charged overnight, or if you want to. The great thing about these is you can also run them at night. They'll have lights and sensors, so they can operate at night, say on a golf course or uh, any site that uh, that allows you to. So you can actually run your your electric mowers in two shifts if you've got an extra set of batteries. So you can swap out uh, the, the used batteries and put in recharged batteries. Sure. Okay. So, I, um, I, so that's, I guess, what I was meaning as far as how long it would last. So it's, if it's six to yes. eight hours on those batteries then, and does, does it, uh, I mean, you said based on the type of grass you're cutting and that sort of thing, does the, uh, as the battery charge gets lower, is there any Im impact on the productivity of the mower then? So there, there won't be an impact, but what we have on our application is you can look at it and see how much battery life do you have left, whether it's you know six hours left, four hours left, three hours left. And it can also send you an alert. You can set the alert. So if you want to be alerted when there's an hour and a half left, Boom! You'll get a you'll get an alert on your application, whether it's on your cell phone, your tablet, or your computer. So that way you can get there in plenty of time before it it runs out of juice and stops working. Right. Okay. And it's I mean, and like you said, there's no reason that they uh, a, a landscape company that's using these types of mowers would have multiple sets would want to have multiple sets of the batteries anyway to change them out potentially. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you if you have it just to run for one shift, then you'll go to various jobs, you'll get back to the yard, you'll plug it in, and it will be charged and ready to go to the next the next day. Sure, sure. Okay. And you you did mention uh, already that uh, from from your perspective, and I, and I I definitely agree that uh, that electric and even just the uh, autonomous and and robotic pieces of equipment are definitely the future of landscaping. Um, yes, absolutely. And outside of, of just the, the mowing aspect, do you see, uh, do you uh, agree that uh, just electric in general is going to be, I mean, it's already growing in the, uh, the handheld uh, yes. piece of equipment for trimming and that sort of thing that we're there uh, are becoming productive enough where it's, it is, it hasn't surpassed the gas, uh, the gas machines yet. yet, but it's, not yet. It's getting there. But they're starting to equal them, at least. Yes. And the efficiencies of batteries are getting much better. Uh, the, the effectiveness of the tools are getting much better. So you can certainly right now, you know, buy the edgers, the blowers, everything you need that's electric and, uh, you know, even chainsaws. So there's, there's plenty of room down the road to uh, develop other attachments. Right now, we're we're completely focused on our 60 inch mower, but we've made it such that the mow deck is cantilevered out in front of the robotic car, if you will, such that it will ultimately be able to be swapped out with say a 36 inch mow deck or even a, a 72 inch mow deck, all using the same, uh, same mower. And, and there will be other attachments, being a landscape contractor for 35 years, I know all the other attachments that are needed by a landscape maintenance company. And a, a lot of those can be, you know, further down the road, but we, we want to uh, have proof of concept first and sure. be selling sure. the mowers before we start tackling other 
other items. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. So I, I certainly don't want to get a whole, uh, get ahead of ourselves, yeah. or uh, you know, make any promises. But sure. Any any equipment that's being used by the landscape uh, profession, snow and ice, uh, will be able to use robots and uh, machinery and electric in order to take care of that. And because even say two three years ago, uh, the batteries might only last two or three hours which you know, may not have been that practical for a landscape maintenance company. But now with the ability to go six to eight and you know, give it a couple more years, you know, ultimately the, uh, the capacity just keeps betting, getting better and better. Right. So we're gonna continue to see that. Uh, the other thing is the cost of robotics has continued to come down every year over the past, since over the several decades. So there's a lot of things happening that are bringing things together between robotics and electrical mm -hmm software that uh, now is the time for electric robotic autonomous mowers. So with that in mind, obviously the, the intent is to try and address uh, the labor shortage yes. uh, within the industry, but how is it, as, it, as the idea of the electric and the robotic uh, mowers and such grows, what does that turn, turn that, does that have any additional impact on that labor shortage? Does that keep people from being interested in, in the industry? Because they see it as, oh, well, the, the, the robots are taking over some of the jobs that I would like to do. <laughs> no, I think just the opposite. I think that you're going to see that as these robotic mowers uh, allow the, the lawns to get mowed, which is very much a commodity uh, part of the business uh, being done usually by, you know, minimum wage people, and uh, it will be able to allow those people to use better, higher quality standards, whether it's hand pruning or irrigation technicians. So it'll still attract people, but to do higher wage projects or higher wage jobs and tasks. And the other thing is, uh, because it's robotic, because it's dealing with software, uh, you're gonna see account managers that may be more geared towards operating a fleet of robotic mowers rather than, uh, you know, having to deal with the personnel issues of, you know, well, this person didn't show up on Monday morning and now I can't get my crew out on time. You know, there's a lot of things, a lot of issues that happen around labor that those, some of those challenges, a lot of those challenges will go away. What's interesting, all the people I've talked to out in the field, uh, laborers, foremen, account managers, seeing what we're doing, they're all very positive about it. They're all, whoa, I can't wait for that to come out. So nobody has felt threatened by not having the ability or having somebody to get on the lawnmower. Sure. sure. And so you, you did mention that uh, as far as just managing a, a, a fleet of robotic mowers. So is that, is that where, where you see, you know, say 10 years from now where, where uh, some of these companies will end up being where they do it rather than having multiple stand on or zero turn mowers, they're going to have a, a fleet of these robotic mowers that they're taking out to the various sites that they're maintaining. Yes. I think it's also going to uh, maybe uncouple mowing with the rest of the landscaping tasks right now. It's pretty much once a week service. You send a crew out there once a week and you've got your guys that are doing your mowing, your edging, the blowing, the irrigation repair, the uh, 
the fertilizing, the pruning, and that's happening every week, whether it needs it or not. If we disassociate the task of mowing and edging and blowing the clippings from the rest of the landscape tasks, there's times during the year where uh, you, you probably need to mow your lawn more than once a week, where maybe every five days is optimal for mowing, especially you've got cool season grasses that are growing a lot in the spring and the fall, go semi-deciduous semi in the summer and deciduous in the winter. Well, during the spring and fall, when they're really growing, maybe you're wanting to get out there every five days. And then in the summer, they start to go a little bit dormant from the, from the heat. Maybe you only need to get out there every 10 days. And in the winter, you know, maybe it's every two weeks. So by disassociating mowing and doing the mowing when it's best and needed for the lawn, now you can have your other landscape maintenance crews go out there when those tasks are needed for the fertilizing, for the pruning, et cetera, rather than just being into, locked into a once a week time frame. Sure, so sure. that's why I say by doing this, I believe we're going to revolutionize the landscape industry in many ways. It definitely sounds that sounds that uh, you certainly have a, uh, an opportunity to do that. And uh, like I said before, is uh, I've certainly seen that in, in the past two years where it's heading in that direction uh, where there's going to be a lot of changes in coming years in the landscape industry. So, yes. And so I think, I think with that, to answer your, your previous question, it's going to attract uh, a lot of people into the landscape industry that maybe aren't attracted to it right now because it's, it's very much a labor intensive uh, industry. But if you can imagine somebody with a fleet of these mowers and they've got a trailer that can carry three or four of these, they can drop it off at job site one, go on to job site two, go on to job site three, go on to job site four, come back to job site one, pick up that one when it's done. So you can kind of leapfrog. So one person with a trailer and a truck can drop off multiple mowers. That, that's an way of putting it because um, many of my, my listeners and readers are uh, oftentimes the, that smaller landscaping company where it is just kind of a guy in a truck and a trailer, you know, may, maybe, maybe two trailers, you know, maybe, maybe it's, right. he's got a couple of people, but with something like this, that would allow even those guys, uh, those companies to be able to expand a little further and, and, and uh, do exactly what you just said, you know, just, if they have a trailer where they can have even just a couple of these, it's you drop the one off, get that mowing. You can go onto the next site to do your trimming, your pruning and, and right. the, the irrigation and then come back. And I mean, it's, so it's, yeah, uh, it's, you're, yeah it's also going to give the ability for people that are just starting into the industry to be able to grow a company much faster. And now it becomes their growth rate is not limited by the labor shortage uh, the growth rate is based on their their industry expertise, their horticultural knowledge, their customer service, all the things that you want in a really good landscape company. So we're taking away some of the some of the difficulties of the landscape industry, and the other big part of it is safety. Uh, robotic mowers don't get hurt, and they certainly don't die. Over seven thousand people die every year from lawn uh, landscape lawn mowing accidents. Many of those are from a rollover where they crush the operator because they don't have their seatbelt on or uh, 
a lawnmower goes into a pond and that the operator dies. So, I mean, it's terrible that, you know, about 7,000 people die every year in the United States. And uh, that, that's not going to happen with greatest mowers. I guess in general, is there is there anything else uh, you wanted to to say about uh, about grays and uh, when you you said at this point this is the kind of the the next prototype for for R and D and then when can the landscapers be saying okay yeah this thing's closer to being on the market or or will be on the market? So our design is complete. So the mower that. Uh you were saying now through our press release this week, that is the finalized design of our mower. What we're doing now is we're getting into the hands of our R&D partners so they can test it out in the field, uh, give us uh, real-time feedback on, on how it's working, what it's doing, still working on the safety protocols. And we just wanna make sure that we do all kinds of real life testing before we offer it uh, for commercial availability which we're expecting to do early 2021. Okay. okay. So, so by early 2021, you're anticipating these mowers will be available. Yes. Well, John, uh, thanks again for coming on today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to the further development uh, of your mowers and uh, to see uh, where, where things go with robotics and the electric uh, machines. Well, thank you very much, Ryan. I'd love to do this again uh, in a couple of months when we're when we're able to show it uh, doing what it's doing and when we uh, release it to the public. So thank you, Ryan. Well, that's it for this edition of the Grassroots Podcast. Thank you to John Vallee of Grays for taking the time to talk with us today. Tune in every week for another Fresh Cut episode of the Grassroots Podcast by GreenIndustryPros.com. Mm-hmm.